but we have some special guests here. Paul and Ali Hodges and the boys, Jacob, Elijah and Ethan, are going to come on up on the stage here. These guys are back from Cambodia and they're going to give us a little bit, bit of an update. They're back just for a few weeks over this Christmas New Year period. I'd love if you could put your hands together and make these guys feel really, really welcome as they come to chat with us. Yeah, you can grab that mic, that's fine. And um, we are so blessed as a church to partner with Paul and Ali. Um, They've been part of our church for a long, long time, going back in fact, and were sent out from Bridgie a number of years ago. Can you give us a bit of an update on what you've been up to since we last caught up? would be fantastic, Ali. It would be awesome. Good morning, Bridgie. It's always amazing to be back. Um, For me, this is my third time back after coming back for a couple of appointments over the last couple of years with my oncologist. But this is our first time back as a family. So it's been two and a half years since we've been back as a family and it's amazing to be here. Um, Thank you so much for your support for our family as we live and serve in Cambodia. Yeah, you've heard from me a couple of times, um, so I'm going to let the other guys have a bit of a chat. But what we're doing over in Cambodia, just as a bit of an update, we're basically involved in three things. We're involved with alongsiders. The boys are modelling a beautiful alongsiders t-shirt. Turn around. (laughs) So alongsiders is a discipleship, mentorship um, model. Our international um, head office is in Phnom Penh. Paul serves there as finance advisor and I'm the HR advisor for the work that's going on throughout the world with Alongsiders. We also, Alongsiders has a project called Shalom Valley. It's a a brand new campsite that's been built by the Alongsiders organisation in the south of Phnom Penh. Um, Sorry, south of Cambodia, about four hours from Phnom Penh. And we're also involved in our local neighbourhood. We sort of um, seek to live intentionally in our local neighbourhood. We serve in our local church. And part of that is a soccer ministry, which Paul's going to give it a bit of an update on. So, yes, yeah, so thank you for having us back. Very good, very good. And the boys are very much a part of this calling as well in this ministry. And Elijah, I know you guys have had a chance to spend a bit of time in Shalom Valley. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, um, Shalom Valley is a really awesome campsite, and I've been there a few times. And it's really amazing to see lots of young people coming and just learning about God and praising God at Shalom Valley. And um, yeah, it's just really awesome to be there in Cambodia with my family. Yeah. How good is that? Thank you, Elijah, so much. Paul, anything from your end, just in terms of what's been happening over there? Yeah, just um, when Ali was back here with you in August, um, I actually get really overwhelmed being here. Sorry. Um, I just, just before I share about that, I just feel that as a family, we're so privileged to be in Cambodia serving. And I know that um, you as a church community make that possible. And um, so... I get really overwhelmed because I know how much you pray for us, how much you support us, how much you think of us throughout the year, um, the last couple of years while we're away and, and um, as Ellie comes back to share. So I just want to say thank you um, before I even share about what we're doing because um, I just remember Annette Rattray sharing about her ministry over in PNG and um, and what, for her, I feel the same for us as well. Without your prayers, they're like an artillery gun, you know, firing over us, protecting us, um, encouraging us, and making things possible. So um, as um, we're sharing about the Mega Monster Garage Sale, prayer is so vital for us, especially in a place that's dark, spiritually dark, and uh, oppressed, and that's certainly Cambodia. So um, we really value your prayers. Um, the ministry that we're involved with, the uh, sports ministry, I might, might before I share 
we've got a short video. It just goes for a couple of minutes, and then I'll explain a little bit more about that. Um, oh, sorry. This is the camp we went on. While um, Ali was here in August, uh, the four of us um, were actually on a camp with um, the sports ministry that we're involved with uh, through our local church. So there's a short video that shows you a little bit of information about that, and then I'll just share a few of the, the numbers. That isn't that fantastic, Church? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's the campsite, and we've got a real privilege to have the campsite. It's the first adventure campsite um, in Cambodia, and the main purpose, as Elijah was sharing, is to, to reach um, young Khmer uh, uh, children, uh, youth, to um, to know and have a meaningful encounter with Christ. And it's um, it's called Shalom Valley because we really mean, we feel it's a place where um, people can be at peace, people can be safe, and people can encounter God um, in a meaningful way. And we had the privilege of taking away about 30 um, young, young boys from our community um, to, on a sports camp. Uh, they played AFL, um, they played, uh, which Jacob, Jacob led in, in um, coaching them. Uh, they played soccer and they played frisbee. And, um, and it was just a time where uh, they could hear about Christ in a safe environment. They could ask questions um, with no judgment or no, no pressure. Um, and we just had um, just four wonderful days, three nights with these young men. And at the end of it, 11 boys came forward to say, they just want to know more about Christ. And out of that, we've been able to um, extend our sports ministry. We've been able to not only meet with the boys to train and play soccer, but we've started a youth group uh, for about an hour and a half before our soccer training session just to talk about um, what it means to know Christ, 
um, to sing songs, to praise, and just to hang out like we have here, you know, at Switch and, you know, other things that we do to encourage our youth. So it's been a real, you know, real birthing of an opportunity to know our kids in our community a lot better and more, more closely and also make greater connections with their family. So, wow. yeah, thank you. That's amazing, Paul. Thank you so much. And uh, we want to say to you, you guys are an amazing family and we count it a privilege to partner with you as well. Uh, it really is a joy. And so we want to encourage this family. Why don't we put our hands together and just encourage them. Stay up here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for this family right now. Ask God's blessing on them. Thomas and Narelle Reeves are here as well. Stand up, Thomas and Narelle. These guys are heading across the Solomon Islands, in fact, this time next week. They'll be on their way over, helping us install the cocoa dryer facility over there in the Ferribu Bible School. And so we want to pray for you both as well. And just following that, not far behind, we Mark and Joe Dieters heading over as well to Solomon's. You can read some more about that in the newsletter. But thank you to both of you as well for your heart to serve in this way. Can some just um, lay hands on Thomas and Narelle? Some want to stand up and just lay hands around. That would be great. Make sure they're prayed for as we pray now. And we're going to ask a blessing as well on the Hodges family at the same time and pray for some other needs. Let's join our hearts together as we pray right now. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. It's such a joy to hear about what you are doing, your kingdom work that you're doing here locally, but Lord, right around the world as well. Thank you. We're all part of your kingdom, all part of your church, great God, your body, the body of Christ reaching out. And so we want to pray for Paul and Ali, Lord, for Jacob, Elijah and Ethan, for your special blessing upon them. I pray at this time back home would be refreshing, renewing, great God, for them. Uh, and so we just want to say thank you for them and thank you for the ministry that you have called them to there, Lord, alongside us, Shalom Valley, the local church they're connected with there, their community in which they live. Thank you for stories of lives being impacted and transformed. Thank you for those 11 boys responding, great God, and, and the, uh, just, just so many opportunities you're opening up. So we pray for your hand of protection over them. As Paul said, prayer, Lord, is so powerful as part of our worship now as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we encourage these couples as well, his family as well? It'd be great. Lord, now as we come to your word, we open our hearts to your great God. We want to hear from you, the living God. By your spirit now we pray. Open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears to hear, to know, to receive the truth we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We are really blessed to have Pastor Matt coming to bring the word to us this morning. Matt looks after our city service, as well as being involved in our young adults ministry here as well, and many other areas in our finance team also. But would you put your hands together? Welcome, Matt, as he comes to share God's word. Thanks so much, Nay. Great to be with you this morning. Christmas has gone. Incredible. Uh, feels like a long time ago. I don't know about uh, for you, but for me, it already feels like a long time ago. And we are starting a new uh, series over these coming summer weeks called Summer Psalms as we look a few, at a few of these beautiful songs uh, that we read in Scripture. And today we're going to look at Psalm 84. I just want to read it to you. You can pull it out uh, in your Bibles now as well. It's going to come up on the screen. These are incredible, wonderful words uh, to us this morning from God. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of 
Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. These are beautiful words to us this morning uh, from God's word. Did anyone else freak out when they saw 2020 on the screen for the Mega Monster Garage sale before? We have literally come to the end of a decade and we're about uh, to step into another. One of the trends that has uh, consolidated across the last decade is now what's referred to as the attention economy. We now in our world have so much access to information that we simply do not have enough attention to consume it all. And so our attention has become a scarce and a valued resource which is being monetized and competed over by various organizations. Uh, there's a now famous quote which explains this probably the best to you here this morning. It says this, don't make the mistake of thinking you're Facebook's customer. You're not, you're the product. Uh, I think we should take that quote with a bit of a grain of salt, but there is truth to what this particular person is saying. In fact, I think you would sympathize with feeling the drain on your life of the attention economy. We feel bombarded with incredible amounts of information and content, don't we? The world feels like a, a noisy place. We feel constantly distracted like our attention is being pulled in 50 different directions at once. Empirically, our attention spans have actually decreased as this has taken place. We can hardly go a few moments now without notifications popping up and our attention being grabbed by different things. The devices that have become tethered to our lives across the last decade have reinforced this trend in our lives. I think it's actually the fragmentation of our attention that leads to us feeling chronically busy. I don't know if you, about you, but I feel busy in my life. It's the distraction and the constant moving of our attention that makes us feel overwhelmed like we are so busy we can't keep up, even though statistically we have more leisure time in other words, uncommitted time for not the necessities of living than what we had more um, than what we had a hundred years ago. A quote from uh, William James demonstrates why this issue of our attention is an important one for us to think about. He says this: We must reflect that when we reach the end of our days, our life experience will equal what we have paid attention to, whether by choice or by default. In an age of information and noise and content and busyness, where our attention is literally, literally being competed over, I think we are in real danger 
of our attention being dragged away from the things that matter. Ronald uh, Rollheiser says this, it's a lengthy quote, but I just wanna uh, read it to you here this morning. He says, for every kind of reason, good and bad, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It's not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, the shopping mall and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. And so as you step into a new decade this morning, I wanna ask you the question, where is your attention? Not, not like literally in this moment right now, but where does your attention naturally drift to in your life? Where is your focus in the everyday rhythms that you have. Uh, Psalm 84 is a psalm that the Jews would sing on their way to the temple, on their way to worshiping God. It's known as a psalm of pilgrimage. I wanna read to you some of my favorite verses from this psalm. Verse 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper, in other words, on the fringe, somewhat close in the house of my God than dwell right in the midst, in the middle of the tents of the wicked. For the psalmist, he says, it is my good to be near God. The psalmist is communicating his desire to be in proximity to God. He is making a pilgrimage to God, he is a pilgrim of God's presence. Verse four, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. This is why he was going to the temple at, at the time that he was writing God's presence, his direct presence was limited to the temple. And so he was pilgriming to the place where God's presence was. We talk a lot in the church today about God's presence, don't we? Uh, being in God's presence, this is something we talk about frequently, but for me, and I don't know about you, in, in this rationalised, enlightened world that we live in, sometimes that seems unintelligible to me. Sometimes God's presence, I, I don't quite understand what we mean by that. And I wanna see if I can help illustrate to you this morning what it means. And uh, this is an illustration I've used before, uh, so apologies if, if you've heard it before. I was in London uh, a number of years ago now, actually probably uh, five or six years ago, visiting my, my best mate who was working in London at the time. And he lived in the outer western suburbs of the city, just on the fringe of the city. He didn't have a car, and so we, we effectively just used the tube to get around everywhere. If you've been to London, you will know how great the tube is. This is a wonderful, our transit system, except in peak hour. 
I don't know if anyone's done the tube in peak hour. Uh, if you haven't, just think of those, those photos or those videos usually coming out of Asia where they just push people onto the trains. They li- literally just jam them in there. And so we were in this moment where we needed to go on the tube in peak hour. And uh, we're about to jump on there, but my, my mate explained to me, uh, this is what you have to do when you ride the tube in peak hour. He says, inevitably, you will be squished up against someone in the carriage. He says, that's, that's an inevitability at this particular moment. But the key, he said, was making sure that your face was not squished up against their face because otherwise it becomes a really awkward train ride, just staring at each other for these minutes that you're riding to where you're going. This gives you a sense for what it means to be in someone's presence. To be in someone's presence means that our attention is on them, doesn't it? It means that the senses, our cognition are impacted by that object or person. You could uh, think about it this way. Have you ever been standing next to someone, but you've been so engrossed in your glowing rectangle that you didn't even realise they were there? Oh, wow, how's it going when you look up from from your phone screen? This is, uh, you know, in those moments we say, oh yeah, they were with us, but they weren't really present, were they? This is why our parents are always saying to their sometimes device-laden children, would you please pay attention? You see, presence requires attention. This is really key. I want you to grab a hold of this. Presence requires attention. I'm gonna have it a guess that the psalmist wasn't making this journey up to the temple to spend half of his time in the temple on his equivalent of the iPhone. I'd have it a guess that's not what he was going to do. He was going to give his full attention to the presence of God in that place. He was going to be consumed with an awareness of God being near him in those moments. For us to be in God's presence, it requires our attention. The interesting thing when we uh, reflect upon this Psalm for us today is that we know from Scripture that the temple was only a shadow of what was to come. In fact, Uh, The one Peter says that the prophets longed for the age, the era that we are now in. The psalmist is writing at a time where there was still distance between God and man. Even when he got to the temple, God's presence was limited to the temple, but even when he got there, he could not go into the Holy of Holies. There was a curtain of separation. There was a, a sense, a layer of distance between the psalmist and God's direct presence. But we read in Scripture that the work of Jesus on the cross, the key thing that it achieved was for God's Spirit to be poured into our lives onto everyone who has their sin forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you have claimed His blood for your salvation, your body is now clean and an appropriate residence for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, whom you have received from God. In the era that we are in now, God's presence is not limited to a temple or a tabernacle or a holy of holies. It's not even limited to the physical body of, of Jesus Christ, who now is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said, it is for my good that I should go there so that my presence can be in you. God's direct presence is poured out on everyone who claims the death of Christ as forgiveness for their sin. We read that the curtain was torn from top to bottom. In other words, not by man, but by God Himself. This is incredible. The very fullness of the triune God is indwelling us believers in this moment. This is truth. This is reality. And so if the Holy Spirit dwells in our bodies, if our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit, I don't know, but surely we have the capacity now to in every waking moment that we live, know the presence of God that this psalmist was longing for. He's saying, I'm longing for the presence of God. And right now in this moment, we can literally undertake everything that we do in our lives with God. Driving here to church this morning, driving the kids to school with God. Making dinner, breakfast with God. Isn't that possible now that we have the Holy Spirit? Writing your assignments, facing workplace challenges and problems with God. This is what Christ has made possible as He poured out His Spirit upon us to live with God lives. The psalmist here outlines the reasons for his pilgrimage. He, he outlines why he is longing for the presence of God. I wanna read you just some of them. He says, those in God's presence are ever praising God, verse four. They go from strength to strength, verse seven. They receive grace and glory from God, verse 11. They are blessed, verse 12. They are kept from evil, walking uprightly, verse 11. As they dwell not in the tents of the wicked, verse 10, but the house of the Lord. I didn't even add one in there, but he says, as they walk through the valley of Baca, this was a dry place, an arid place. In other words, as they walk through the moment of suffering, it becomes like a place of living water. As we walk through moments of suffering in our lives, when we know God's presence, they become places still of life, of living water. This is a description of life that the psalmist is giving, it, giving us, isn't it? Isn't this a description of what life is, the life that we all crave and desire? And it's in fact the exact sentiment that Paul expresses in Romans 8 of the life that the Spirit brings. Read this in verse 13 of Romans 8. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will have life. Earlier in verse five, he says that the, there's a real importance of the attention of the mind in living by the Spirit and therefore receiving that life. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. In other words, put their attention on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It is attention to God's presence with us that leads us to live a holy, a blessed and a righteous life. Jesus knew this and this is why He said in Matthew 26 to His disciples, He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, God's presence with us is His grace. God's presence with us is the power that we need to live a holy life. God's presence with us is the power that we need to move out of our sin and into a life that, that, that obeys the commandments, the teachings, the ways of Jesus Christ. Poet Mary Oliver, someone who's not even a Christian, she knew this very fact. She says this, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. If you're a Christian here this morning, you will know this. You have experienced this. In fact, um, every Sunday morning when we gather here, we experience this, don't we? As together we spend time in God's presence, don't we just naturally live in the ways of God in these moments? Isn't it natural to love one another in these moments? Isn't it natural to, to the, the fruit of the Spirit just seems to come up in our lives in these moments? I know that from my own life, when I'm aware with God's presence with me, I walk in His ways, but when I am distant from God, that is when sin so easily ensnares me. When you are aware, are aware of God's presence through your attention, we naturally live in His ways. But God's presence in our lives requires our attention. This is so key. We, like the psalmist, need to be pilgrims of God's presence, intentional and active in drawing near to Him. This is the principle that we see all throughout Scripture. This, this is a whole psalm on the effort that He is making to be near God, on the intention, the activity that He is making to be near God. Think of the disciples following Jesus. I wanna tell you, they didn't just drift into that. Christ said, follow me, and they had a moment where they said, yes, I am gonna follow. That was active, that was intentional. And you know what? Jesus didn't just stay there, He moved. They had to decide again each moment, where is Jesus in this moment? My attention is on Him so that I can follow Him, so that I can be near Him. They were attentive to Him, to His presence among them. They too, like the psalmist, were pilgrims of God's presence. means giving our attention to God. But what does this look like in modern day Australia, in the 20s? What does pilgrimage for us look like today? How can we be attentive to God's presence with us, not just on Sundays or for a few moments of each day, but continually living a with God life? 
It's tempting, and many people throughout church history have thought this, that they just need to escape the world and engage only in religious activity. This was what the monks did. They left the world and they, they entered into religious um, exclusion and seclusion. But we have to be incredible, incredibly careful here because Jesus says, I don't want you to leave the world. I want you in the world. In fact, the very point that he gave us his spirit in our bodies is so that we can be in the world and yet still know his presence with us. So to be pilgrims is not to escape the world, but it's to design our lives. To be active, to be intentional, to engage in habits and practices that lead us naturally to put our attention on God as we engage in our ordinary everyday lives. Cleaning the car with God. Catching up with friends with God. Sorting item at the garage sale with God, with Him. His presence with us. If you're trying to wrap your head around what this looks like, we already do this, but with our iPhones. The reality is we live with iPhone lives. You don't just drift into that. I don't just drift into that. We employ habits and practices in our lives. We build them into our lives so that we can live with iPhone lives. I don't know about you, but I put my iPhone on charge every single night so that it's ready so they can go with me the rest of the next day. Do you do that? I house it in my pocket so it just goes with me everywhere I go. I put a case on it so that wherever I go, it's, it's not gonna get broken. It can be with me, be safe. We go to the mobile phone carriers that give us the best reception so that wherever we are, we can use our phone. These are choices their habits, their disciplines that we each employ in our lives to be active, to facilitate a with iPhone life. And so likewise, once we intend to be a pilgrim of God's presence, intention is the first step. But once we intend to, we need to wisely, with God, think through the practices Disciplines, decisions to build into our lives that will naturally facilitate our attention being turned to God who is with us always. There's no hard and fast rules in the Bible about this. I think the reason for that is to protect us from legalism. It's to be based on wisdom. This is what the wisdom literature in many ways is about for each of our different personalities and the circumstances that we live in our lives. And there is common wisdom, in fact. I just wanna share a few of these common wisdom that we see from the Bible and throughout church history that has enabled people to live in God's presence continually. I think the key to this that we've lost is actually fasting. Fasting was done by the early church for the first 300 years, every Wednesday and Friday. That was just what they did. They just fasted on Wednesday and Friday. They were using their physiology, their stomachs, to consistently awaken themselves to God's presence with them. Solitude and silence, practicing drawing near to God without the noise, which enables us to be aware of God when we are in noisy environments of the world. 
Sabbath, a day in each week where we cease normal activities, creating margin for drawing near to God with others through celebration, study of Scripture, being attentive to God's Word. He is always, God is always present where His words are. There is no separation between His words and His presence. Community, being pilgrims together so as to spur one another on abstinence, creating disruption to our regular rhythms as a prompt for lifting our eyes towards God. Thankfulness, painting every circumstance of our lives with the presence of God, tagging every circumstance with the presence of God is what thankfulness is. I haven't included prayer in there, but prayer is actually the, the, the end of all of these. Prayer is communion with God, presence with God. This is why Paul says, pray unceasingly. I wanna just remind you, these practices are not an end in themselves. Just like charging our phone is not the aim of it, we charge our phone so that we can live with iPhone lives. These disciplines enable us, build us, and move us towards attention of God with us, which is the telos, which is the end game, which is the, the goal. These practices that have been used throughout church history and in the Bible are simply tools of the pilgrim. Dallas Willard says this, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. I think this quote will come up on the screen. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part is thus practicing the presence of God. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God, sorry, is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as, I love this, as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, He will become the pole star of our inward beings. Christ proclaimed, follow me, abide in me. The Greek word that he uses when he says that is continuous present tense. In other words, continue following me, continue abiding in me. Paul uses the same Greek verb when he says, be filled with the Spirit, be continually filled with the Spirit, continually set your minds on things above, continually set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Hebrews proclaims, continually draw near to God. His direct presence with us. To be a pilgrim of His presence is the invitation to life that Jesus gave us, that the New Testament gives us, that God gives us. And the danger for us, I think, in this fast pace, the danger for me, I, 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 I wanna be honest, this is a danger for me. Maybe more than a lot of you in the, the circumstances of my life as a, as a millennial in this world that we live, um, the danger is that our attention that is a commodity that is being relentlessly fought over is, a, is that our lives become so busy, so distracted that we are dull and inattentive to God's presence with us. I am worried that we are spending not more than one hour maybe, maybe a little longer on Sundays in the presence of God. 
It's not that God leaves us, but it's that our attention is elsewhere. And I don't want you to see this as another rule and a regulation. This is the invitation to life. It's not that we don't want God. As Rollheiser said, it's just that we are so distracted. Christ's mission was to make possible again the with God life. This was always his intention, even before sin. God's intention was that you would live a with God life so that we might be obedient, live again in God's ways. And his call for us is to follow. And so I want to ask, as we step into a new decade, are we going to take him up on this offer? Are we going to be people that practice the presence of God with us Uh, My prayer is that our testimony would be the same as the psalmist in Psalm 16, verse 8. He says this, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Let's pray together this morning. God, I'm really convinced that uh, this is a word for us here this morning. Uh, That in the the non-spiritual, the flattened world, the busy, distracted world, chaotic world, noisy world that that we find ourselves in, that you have called us into. You you said, Jesus, be in the world. We're not to disengage. Uh, We are struggling, God, to be aware of your presence that is always with us. And God, I think your word just comes to us this morning and says, hey, there is more on offer. There is more life on offer as we become aware of you in our everyday lives. God, I just can't shake this sense that this is, this is the original place that we were meant to be in. Walking with you in the cool of the evening, knowing your presence in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for making this possible while we were sinful. Uh, This was impossible. You could not dwell with sinful people. Our sin needed to be forgiven. And so, Jesus, you shed your blood to cover our sins, to make us appropriate vessels for your Holy Spirit to reside in us. But this is truth here this morning. The God of all the universe, you, the Almighty One, indwell us, your people. And so, Spirit of the living God, I pray that, uh, that You would help us to lift our eyes to You, not simply in these moments when we're together and it's, it's somewhat easier, but in the moments of everyday lives, we would lift our eyes. As we wake in the moments, in the morning, we would lift our eyes. As we prepare for the day, we would lift our eyes as the problems of the day arise, as we face the difficulties of walking in this broken world, our eyes would would go to You. And we would find the life, God, that is in You, that is in Your presence. So we join the Psalmist this morning, God, and we commit ourselves, we, we say that we do intend to be pilgrims of Your presence. This is what we want. And so lead us on, God 
as to what it looks like for us to build our lives in this direction, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. The response this morning is just to enjoy God's presence together. This is, these are great moments as we come in, draw near to Him. I was sitting at the Christmas Day service and we were singing that song, He Shall Reign Forever. And I just realised in that moment, heaven and earth are, are coming together in this moment. When we sing praise to God, heaven and earth overlap. And so let's do it. Let's, let's let heaven and earth overlap here in this building this morning, Bridgman Downs, a small city of Brisbane. The God of all creation is here with us. Let's worship Him together, church. Let's stand and do that. Lord, we thank You for this incredible, incredible invitation, this incredible gift, Lord, that we can enjoy, we can experience, we can know Your very presence with us, great God. We know it here this morning, in fact, as we worship. And Lord, we don't want to miss out on this incredible invitation. We, we want to be those who seek after you, who desire your presence. It's true, Lord. Better is one day, one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Help us, Lord, to fix our focus and our attention on you, great God. We pray this as your people, as a church, Lord, our prayer. Lord, we don't want to go anywhere without your presence, just as Moses prayed, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll continue to reveal more of yourself to, together as we gather as your people, Lord. Your presence would continue to be known so powerfully. People will experience that and know that. They might not be able to explain it, Lord, but they will know it here in this place. And we pray that too as you send us out into our workplaces, into our families, into our neighbourhoods and communities, Lord, that we would be so conscious of your presence with us that we would just keep seeking after your great God again and again all the days of our lives until we are in your presence forever, great God. So this is the desire of our heart. Help us, great God. Help us amidst all the distractions of this world just to refocus. All. That's why we gather together Sunday by Sunday to encourage one another to pray for one another, to stir faith with one another, to refocus our attention again on you, great God. And so thank you for this word to us today. Bless each one here, I pray. And we thank you again, Lord, for your incredible blessing you have poured out upon us, the incredible gift of your presence. We give you thanks now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer after service, do come and grab one of the pastors. We'd love to pray for you today as well. Do stay for a tea and coffee in the courtyards. We continue our conversations out there as well. And don't forget our welcome lounge if you're new this morning. We'd love to meet you there. God bless.